This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the Derby! Mystic The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. When do you expect you and Tom will, will talk about his future? That's up to Tom. I mean, just like all veteran players, you know. Bruce, Bruce you're confident you're back next year no matter what. You feel like you're back here next season? Me? Oh, yeah. So, Bruce Arians back, Tom Brady, who knows? And this is so strange. And it's amazing to me how I feel like I'm the only voice in the wilderness saying something weird's going on here, people. He said over and over and yeah, over again. Yeah, where did it come from? Throughout the right, season, right. I'm playing through 2022. Oh, where's your proof? I mean, are we in this warped of a post-truth society that we just ignore things people say? He said it at a SiriusXM town hall with Jim Gray before the season began. I'm going to play through 2022 and then figure out what to do after that. He told the Wall Street Journal magazine in September, late September, it was an item that came out just before his return to New England. I'm going to play through 2022 and then maybe a year or two after that. He referred on multiple occasions. I'm under contract for two more seasons. I'm playing through 2022. He said for years, I'm playing until I'm 45. That's one more year. Now, all of a sudden this week, all of a sudden, Tom Brady's remains non-committal to playing next year. That was the report yesterday from ESPN, his business partner, by the way, in Man in the Arena, and that's something that we shouldn't overlook. But he remains non-committal. What the hell does remains non-committal mean? He's already committed. He's already said. You can't just drop remains non-committal about playing next year without accounting for the fact that he said at least three times he's playing next year. Something happened, something changed, and we don't know when, why, or how. But that's just kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, he remains non-committal about playing next year, like like we've known all along. Bullcrap! Bullcrap! All along the story's been he's playing next year. So I, I feel like there's a story there. Something's there. That There's a story there. And he said yesterday he's taking it day by day. He didn't say I'm playing next year. Yeah, so, it's a, the tune has um, changed, obviously. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't get I'm, – I'm with you, Mike. I mean, I, I, I was like – when I heard that news over the weekend, I was kind of like – or maybe it was Thursday or Friday where it started to bubble up. I was kind of like, what? well, I thought we were already past this. I really did. I thought for sure next year was a, a for sure thing. Now, I mean, he's got, what, one more year left on his deal, right? Yes. Contractually. Uh, but – but again, who knows, Mike? You've talked about it a lot. It's 44. 
It's it's a grind this season. You know, it's, they, they've had some drama there in Tampa Bay this year. He's had to deal with the Antonio Brown stuff and all of that here at the end of the year. Been hit a little bit. Had some games of getting beat up, especially yesterday. You know, so obviously, this didn't get here just out of nowhere. Like you said, you know, there's a partnership with ESPN. You know, one of the guys at ESPN and Shefty went to Michigan, just like Tom Brady. Like I, I, I'm just connecting dots here. I gotta think that something here was said, or you know, obviously, obviously something was said. Brady's obviously been telling people he was gonna sit down and think about it. That's probably where it came from. I mean, he's given this kind of answer after the game yesterday, and maybe the fact that he's just told enough people that. Hey, I'm going to take it day by day and think about it. That's the first time the Bucks have heard non-committal type statements, and maybe that's where it came from. But certainly caught me by surprise. Did not expect it. And you know, again with Brady, not that you know we think he's as good as Allen or Mahomes, but still, damn, holy cow, is he still good? We didn't see a ton of slippage in his play. He could still throw the ball with the best of them out there, and that's where I just didn't expect to hear that t- kind of talk at the end of last week. Here's how it came up. Rob Ninkovich's former teammate in New England was on ESPN on Wednesday. Right, that's, and, yeah, and right. And Ninkovich said it wouldn't surprise me if he retires after this season. What else does he have to prove? Well, we, we've we been saying what else does he have to prove for five freaking years. So <laughs> it felt different to me, and it felt to me like the dynamic that comes up from time to time in the business, and Peter King and I talked about this on Friday. We know things, but we're not allowed to report them. We're allowed to couch them as our ideas. So maybe Ninkovich knows something, but he was told you can't say that this is happening. But if you want to say don't be surprised if he retires or I wouldn't be surprised if he retires or something like that, fine. It's your idea. Just don't don't put it as he's thinking about it, he's doing it, whatever. That was the first shot. Right. Then they asked Byron Lefwich, the offensive coordinator of the Buccaneers, about it on Thursday, and he didn't say no. He just said, Tom's playing at a high level, and I'll leave it at that. And then Friday, Bruce Arians said to Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, he'll be shocked if Tom Brady doesn't play next year. Then Arians backed off yesterday. Here's exactly what Brady had to say after the game so we can judge it for ourselves as we try to figure out where this goes from here. I haven't put a lot of thought into it, so you know, we'll just take it day by day and see. Kind of see where we're at. Truthfully, guys, I'm thinking about this game and I'm not thinking about anything past five minutes from now. Yeah, I, it's hardly a commitment he's going to play next year, and it's a desire well, not to talk just, about it yeah, now. Well, that's just, yeah, right. It's, yeah, so, I, I'm just surprised to hear him kind of say, no, I'm coming back next year. I'm playing. And just end it right there. Obviously, there's thought. I mean, that, that wouldn't be a hard answer to give. Oh, I don't know where all this is coming from. I'm playing in 2022. But, uh, man, exactly. I don't really want to talk about it right now. I'm, I'm still heartbroken about this football game. The fact that he didn't say yeah. that I do think says a lot. And I think the fact that – I've said time and again I'm playing through 2022. Why is this a question? I yeah, said it three times. Right. I told Jim Gray. I told the right. Wall Street Journal. I said that. I said it. Why are we talking about this? So, so let, let's I, – I, I don't know what the truth is. The prevailing thought from the people I've been talking to is his wife, Giselle Boonshin, has said, that's it. It's done. It's over. Time's up. No more. No more. And last year when he won the Super Bowl, she went straight after him with the what more do you have to prove? And he joked after the fact I changed the subject. Uh, but, she was very know, happy could... in the box yesterday at 27 to three, almost like it was like a culmination. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting here and watching an NBC, of course, as you know, and there was like one or two of us that were in there going, wow. I mean, 
She, she doesn't seem affected the, the, uh, by the fact that they're absolutely getting drilled right now. Almost to the point where you were like, she looked like it was like borderline like, hey, this is finally going to come to an end. Yay. And we're going to have my I husband. Quit, I can quit worrying I'm about it. I my husband back. It. Right, right. I mean, again, I'm, I know I'm totally fishing here, but just, you know, that's what it looked like a little bit. It was a little odd. I'm not going to lie. You're not fishing. You're interpreting circumstantial yeah. evidence. Remember, it was four years ago where she told... I think 60 Minutes or somebody. Remember, she told somebody from CBS he's had concussions. He had multiple concussions this past year. I mean, she's expressed concern for his health and well-being. So as he gets older, as younger players keep coming in, guys are half his age chasing him around trying to do physical damage to him. Right. Maybe, maybe there was a weight lifting from her shoulders that I don't have to worry about my husband anymore being out there among these gladiators and he's too old to be among these gladiators so it could be that she's said time's up uh, it could be that he feels it he's not going to come out and tell us I, I, I really don't feel like I can continue to do this I feel physically I can't he's not going to tell us that. that there could be a factor in that regard too and Chris I, I don't want to go full blown conspiracy Mike with the you know, the graphic from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and every time it comes up, people actually text me and say, I didn't know you smoked cigarettes. Um, but <laughs> what, what, if he, what, if he wants, what if he wants to finish his career with another team? What if he's looking for a way out of Tampa? What, what, what if this is just the way to, to get Buccaneers fans and members of the organization to wrap their arms around the idea that he's, he's not playing for them next year? It's not that he's not playing next year. If he plays next year, he's going to try to play for somebody else. Now, he didn't have to sign the extension in the offseason of 2021, but I, I'm not ready to write off entirely the possibility that he thinks he's taking this Buccaneers team as far as he can. Maybe there's someplace else he wants to go for one last ride. I, I have a hard time with that one. I, I don't know if I can get behind that. I, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to say never say never, but it just I, I, that, that's one where I look at it. This point of his career – Leave this team right now was still. I mean, again, we know one healthy is it's a ton of. Are there talent. better teams? Are uh, there better teams? Well, I, I, well, you know, I don't know. You tell me who's out there that's going to make that move at quarterback and go that there's better teams. I don't know if there's anybody out there that jumps. Well, let's at. see. Let's see. I mean, let's see. Let's see. Well, hang on. Hang yeah, on. Right. If we only had a team that was stocked at every position except quarterback. Hold on. Hold on. That's the Buccaneers. If we, only, if, <laughs> if we only had a team that was stocked at every position but quarterback, and we have a veteran quarterback who gives us a heart attack every time he touches the football in a clutch moment, and we have a rookie who isn't ready yet to play, and we don't really want to admit he isn't ready yet to play, if we only had a one-year placeholder who's better than the guy that we have who keeps giving us chest pains every time he touches the football in a key moment, and we could give, we could give our rookie – who we invested three first-round picks and a third-round pick into getting an apprenticeship under Tom Brady for a year. You know, the guy who wanted to come play. I hear you. For the team he grew up rooting for, and we said no. I'm just saying the one team that stands out to me is the 49ers. And right now, if, 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 you, could, if you could tell Jimmy Garoppolo to take a seat and plug in Tom Brady this weekend against the Rams. Wouldn't you feel a lot better about the 49ers' chances against the Rams? Well, no doubt about it. I mean, yes. I mean, even at this age, Tom Brady's definitely an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo, 100%. I hear you. It's hometown team, the team he grew up and rooted for. 
We know, right? We were always out in front of that when he was a free agent the last time that the Bucks, it was the Bucks and, and the 49ers. That's where he wanted to play. It makes sense. Yes, I mean, you, you said all the right things. They got all the right pieces in place. I don't know. I just, I just don't see it happening. I don't know. I mean, it, again, it's good thought. We could talk about it, but wow. I mean, again, there's, there's things with the 49ers they got to figure out, first of all. I think they're, if they win the Super Bowl and win this week and go on to the Super Bowl and we're out in L.A. and they win that, they're not going to be able to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's right. going to be I the agree. first problem. You know? Then even to bring, Gar- bring Brady there for a one-year holdover thing, man, that's, you know, again – we traded three first-round picks to get a guy to play quarterback three years from now. I mean, that's where I'd go, what the hell are we doing here? So that would be one thing I would question a little bit. And the guy needs to play like we talked about. He's raw as hell. So, like, in theory, I know what you're saying, but I have a hard time believing it. He's in a spot if- where they, they got everything you'd need. I mean, they really do. They're almost perfect. They were a little banged up. We know that. You know, and yes, he's not at the point of his career where he can overcome some of those injuries anymore. He needs all the help he can get at 44. Uh, I just I don't see it happening. I think the most likely explanation is that Giselle has told him time's up. However, I hear you. I he, think so too. If he could negotiate with her one more year, honey, you can't deny me the opportunity to play for my 49ers. If it and, and if they don't win the Super Bowl, if they lose this weekend, or if they lose in the Super Bowl, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a reason why they lose there's there's a very thin a very thin thread that you could try to pull but i think it's more likely that it's just done and it's over and uh, he's not coming back but if he does come back if he does come back and he wants to walk out the door with the super bowl championship there may be better options than where the tampa bay buccaneers are going to be next year because they're going to have guys who leave they're going to have things that change they're not going to be able to hold it together like they did after they won the Super Bowl a year ago. Speaking of the 49ers, we're going to continue to work our way backward through four epic games of the divisional round. I didn't know you There smoked. it is. Give me a cigarette. Come on. That's an unfiltered parliament. Give me one, baby, or a Marlboro. I don't know. That's what my parents used to smoke. We'll be back with 49ers Packers breakdown right after this. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. Friday, July 26th on NBC and Peacock. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! 
The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Our team's been through so many different situations this year that we, we just never, I feel like we never overreact to anything. We just keep playing football. And we got a bunch of guys on our team who I like to call true football players. They really enjoy it. They enjoy watching it. They enjoy practicing and they love playing. Um, and guys just, they don't get discouraged. You don't, they don't get frustrated at the other side of the ball. Guys just keep working and trying to have each other's backs and uh, we needed everyone today. The resiliency that this team has is incredible. Um, I mean, we take punches, we our legs taken out from underneath us, we turn the ball over, our defense responds, our special teams responds, our offense responds when we need to. And you know, on his offense we played just well enough to win the game. Uh, you know, especially that last drive. You know, we we still had to go down there to give Robbie an opportunity and we did just that. And and then you can't talk enough about in you know, our special teams today with you know HT, uh, our special teams coach. I mean he's been through a lot this year and we all have confidence in him and he had confidence in us and Jimmy Ward made a hell of a play to block the kick you know, that allowed us to win the game and, and then a wonderful block by Jordan Willis. I haven't seen it yet really and, um, and then a touchdown by Huff and then the game winner by Robbie Gold in the cold and the snow. You couldn't ask for anything else. There was a calmness honestly and it probably midway through the first or second that I realized it was going to be that type of game. You know they, they got off to a good start with that first drive but our defense is playing great and there's just a feel to the game. You know, even when they had the lead, I felt like we were in control of the game, as crazy as that sounds, but you could feel on the sideline, and it was really just, we were waiting for that one play to spark us, and Jordan with the block, uh, punt, I mean, the scoop and score, it was all that. That's just how we win. You know, it's never gonna be pretty, but we find a way. Epic game on Saturday night at Lambeau Field. The Packers, pre-2002, Chris. We're fourteen and zero at home in the postseason. Since two thousand two, when they lost to Mike Vick at Lambeau Field, they are seven and seven at home in the postseason, and they lose yet another one. And Aaron Rodgers, who was miffed back in two thousand five when he wasn't drafted by the Forty ers and he fell all the way to the Packers, zero and four against the Forty ers in the postseason. That to me is incredible when you consider how accomplished Aaron Rodgers has been, but never beat the 49ers in the postseason, and who knows if we'll see him do it again. That one was something to me. And, you know, you can talk about flow of the game and special teams for the Packers was abysmal. I'm surprised Maurice Drayton, the special teams coordinator, hasn't already been fired after the block punt and the block field goal and 10 guys on the field for the game deciding the kick field returns. goal. kick are you, returns. Are you kidding me? Yeah. But, 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 to me – the moment that this game changed, and I know it was very early, but the entire vibe of this game changed when the Packers have the ball and they are driving up 7 nothing, and Mercedes Lewis fumbles. Because Agreed. if they score a touchdown there right. and go up 14 nothing, it's night-night in the first mm. quarter. That's where the Packers could never get the ball or the game into that, like, let's get it to a two-score football game and get the 49ers real uncomfortable. Had all the momentum right here. Agreed with you. This is one of those early, yes, early game plays where you go, let's not forget about this because one team was kind of rolling and had all the momentum of the football game to the point where you're going, wait, it's 7 nothing. Wait, they're going to be in second and medium right there. 
there. Rodgers kind of down. They're on the verge of field goal territory. Wow, they're going to be able to go up 10 nothing here early and then maybe have make the 49ers get in a game of we got to throw the ball with Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit more than we want to. They could never get it there. They could not. That was a huge moment in the football game. Of course, the huge blocked field goal at the end of the half, at the end of the first half, was a huge moment of the football game. To go in and still go, wait, we haven't played our best football, and we're only down one score still. It's a, it's a, it's a huge boost to your football team at that moment. So that was huge. Again, the Packers, a team that we talked about all year, Mike, where I don't know how great or how physically gifted they are as a football team, but they out-execute everybody, and they don't make mistakes, and that's how they win football games. And you know me, Mike. I questioned all year. I don't know if you can get to the Super Bowl with just, we're not going to make the mistakes and out-execute everybody. That, to me, in the playoffs, the other team you're playing is good. There's going to be a mistake somewhere. You're not just going to 100% out-execute really good quality playoff teams. And you saw they executed in a lot of parts of the football game, but totally dropped the ball in one phase of the football game and the special teams. And that was the difference in the football game. The fact that the 49ers did that, scored a touchdown on a block punt where you're going, wait, can the 49ers really drive down the field and score a touchdown against this Packers defense right now? Unbelievable turn of events right there. Unbelievable play. And just another game, Mike, to your point, where the theatrics, the oh-my-God moments. I mean, I'm hoarse on a Monday morning right now because I was how many I can't be how many times this weekend I went oh my god oh my gosh I can't believe I did that a hundred times this weekend and I can barely talk about it now but unbelievable play by Jordan Willis I, I have a feeling some f-bombs were going on oh you know that you know that <laughs> <laughs> well, listen but, but look at look at that it, it, it's just one of those beautiful football nights just enough snow on the ground to make a difference oh that beautiful. block punt, and you're right the 49ers, were they going to drive down and score a touchdown? I don't know. With Debo Samuel, I can't rule out anything. He no, did have I hear that great you. run That's to get right. them in field goal range. Right. But, you know, mistakes are going to happen in any football game. I just think that when the, the underdog has something like that go their way, especially early in a playoff game, it, it's more significant than when a mistake like that happens in a regular season game, when you get a break like that in a regular season game. And the one seed, for that reason, is always a little bit tighter. No I doubt. don't know that the bye is always a good thing because you're always facing a team that just won a playoff game. There's something you know, to they're that. Show, they're showing up in the ring with a sweat. Right. Yeah, That's you, right. They're, they're ready. That's right. They're ready. Let's go. I'm we ready. We know what playoff and, punches feel like. We're ready to take a yeah. few and go with it and then throw our own. You're, there's definitely an advantage to your point there, Mike. No doubt about it. And they've already won a game. They've been there. They've done it. They've proven to themselves they can do it. While you had a week off, you know, thinking about things, fretting about things, worrying about things, planning about things. How much do we change? How much do we continue? That I don't I know from a health standpoint, a recovery standpoint, that's a useful week off. But but I think psychologically and we still we, we still see it happen. Both one seeds were 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 dumped in the division around this year. And I think that that early break, that early mistake, that early oh crap moment. I talked about it last week. Yeah, sure. George McFly curling up his fist and catching a lucky roundhouse to Biff is just enough, just enough, and it doesn't end it. It doesn't end the fight. It starts the fight. Right. Right? It's, and that's what it did Saturday night. It started the fight. Because 
without that Mercedes Lewis fumble, and we played it a couple of times, without that fumble, the Packers very well go down the score and score, and they go up 14-0 or 10-0, and it becomes much harder for the 49ers team as it's constructed to get back into the game. Yeah, they can never get it to that point, Green Bay. They can never really totally dictate the flow of the football game because of that. And what I'll go to again is, you know, again, I think we have one team there that's a great team that doesn't have a Super Bowl quarterback. I think we have another one where I'll say it's a good team that has a Super Bowl quarterback, and we're misled to think they're equal. You know, you go through the units again. There's a lot more units I'm taking on the 49ers than the Green Bay Packers. I still will go back to Green Bay and the fact that I, you know, one, there's a lack. There's a there's still, in my opinion, a lack of toughness in Green Bay that that is uh, up to the standards of the team we see get to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship teams or the whoever the AFC Championship team is the last few years. Yeah, there's a lack of toughness and just pure just just pure brutality from the Packers that always jumps out to me with these almost got there but didn't get there type teams in Green Bay and to me again I'm going to go down to this they're, they're still too Aaron Rodgers centric at this point in his career you know yeah he's not Mahomes or Allen to where he can run around and just make plays all the time you know again Aaron Rodgers didn't play wet play bad the other night but he's just he's a part of a team where you see in the playoffs every year where if he doesn't absolutely take over and just play unbelievable football, they can never overcome it. And they can't do it. And there again was the other night. You know, he played good, but it wasn't great. There was no wow or oh my gosh. And then there's nobody else on the football team that comes up and ever makes a play for the Green Bay Packers. And that's going to be part of his legacy and something he's had to deal with. But I think Green Bay has, you know, of course, contributed to some of that too, as you can tell by, by what I'm saying. 30 years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. 30 years. And they have two Super Bowl championships and three Super Bowl appearances to show. It's too for. much, that, too much waiting not, on the one guy to just be a baller all the time. Unbelievable. Oh, he'll, ca- he'll carry us. He'll make the plays when we got him. And you know, as we're seeing again, even Tom Brady yesterday. You need some help. You need some other guys to make some plays for you to get us back in the game. And that's a luxury I feel like Aaron Rodgers hasn't always had in his career. And that's where I do defend him a little bit. Uh, you know, and that was a tough one for them to lose that football game. Hey, and the Chiefs, the Chiefs aren't given into that temptation to just let Patrick Mahomes go out and be the guy. They understand the importance they make of moves, having right, a defense, right. of having an offensive line that will keep him from having turf toe that exactly. is debilitating to him right. in Super Bowl 55. And, and, and search and scratch and claw for a running back to finally be the complement that they needed, and they found it in Jarek McKinnon. All due respect to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, McKinnon is playing better than Edwards-Alaire right now. So it's, it's that constant, constant push. And... I don't want to turn this into a into a, a moratorium on uh, referendum referendum yeah. a referendum on the way Green Bay operates its team, but it gets back to not having that one person who's in charge, who has that relentless burning. We must push over the top. We must get better. We must do this. We must do that. That that's where corporate ownership, I think, hurts the Packers. That you don't have that one st- strong, hard charging just force of nature owner that insists that we're going to take advantage of having Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback and do everything we can to put a winning no, team No, that's around. where they drop the ball. That's where they drop the ball. Again, there's no, you know, again, yeah, we got Devontae Adams. But even though we would look at Jimmy Garoppolo and go, wait, but he's got Devontae Adams. Oh, and George Kittle. And a Brandon Ayuk. 
and an offensive coordinator who's the most genius running coach we've seen in football the last 20 years at Shanahan. So he's got those kind of advantages. You know, that's where, again, I just get into it. We look at the game the other night. It's a microcosm to me. I don't, yeah, I'm not trying to sit here and make an excuse for Aaron Rodgers. I'm not. But to me, this is where their team drops the ball. And this is why they fall short the last two years. You know, to your point, with the Kansas City Chiefs, oh, we got to make a move. We get Melvin Ingram. Oh, oh, wait, all right, we got Tyreek and Kelsey already. Let's get a McCole Hardman to go along with it. We've tried to get Josh Gordon. We had Sammy Watkins. You know, yes, they realize what they have, and then they go, wait, he's awesome, and he can almost do it by himself, but it's still a team sport, and we got to give him a few guys here that, that stress the other good teams out when we play them. And to me, that's where Green Bay drops the ball. You know, again, the other night, who else was there? You know, Aaron Jones had a good night receiving the football. Really? That's who we got to rely on? The running back out of the backfield in one of the biggest games of the year? And then his biggest play is not even a play that the team really draws up, just a blown coverage by the 49ers, and Rodgers just makes a play, right? So that's, again, to where I just go, you know, there's, just, there's a Jimmy and a Joe that need to be had on both sides of the ball for the Packers for them to get over the edge if they want to beat teams like the Bucks or the 49ers or whoever it may be that stands in the way of their Super Bowl. And that's, to me, where they drop the ball, Mike, and I think your point's real in my opinion. That, that play by Aaron Jones, I saw some criticism of him on social media, and, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be critical of the catch and the run, he got open, but but it feels like he didn't turn turn it on and underst- and turn it on and yeah. understand that where his angles were and where his opportunity was. Because I think if he just would have gone, you know, uh, hit the Jets, he, he would have had a chance to make it to the end zone. I don't, I don't know, know what why he's he doing didn't here. You're when right. he does that cut, yeah, I think he can outrun. Right. I think he can. Is that who is that at three? That's is that ju- Tart? That's Judge Kwaski Tart. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. Yeah, I think he could have outrun Tart if he just would have gone straight for the end zone. Oh yeah, it might have even that's, been Jimmy Ward. I think Ward. he outsmarted himself. I agree. I think he outsmarted himself. Sh- should have trusted his speed. You're right. It was Tart. You're right. 100. percent But yeah, he should have just turned it on right here, and it looked like he was almost a little like, I'm not sure if I'm going to outrun him, so let me look for the cutback, and he let him get it. But those are big plays. Again. They really are. And, you know, I sit there, and again, this is where I go, yeah, Aaron Jones is really good. Is he as good as, like, Dalvin Cooks and Derrick Henrys and Nick Chubbs when they're, you know, when they're healthy and hitting on all cylinders? I don't know about that. I mean, to me, Dalvin Cook scores a touchdown there. Sorry, I don't know what else to say. You know, that was a huge moment, though, because what happened? They didn't score a touchdown. They kicked a field goal. It got blocked, and they got nothing out of one of the biggest plays of their game right there. So, again, it goes back to there's just a lack of the Jimmys and Joes in Green Bay. They need another stud or two on both sides of the ball to get them over the edge in these type of football games. And to me, that's what the difference was. They didn't execute. They didn't play the style of football they played all year long. They made some mistakes. We haven't seen them really do that much this year, and it was the worst time for that to happen, and that's why they'll be at home next weekend. And the special team's failures were plentiful. Huge. Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, after the game, taking full responsibility. It's easy to take full responsibility when you're uh, you know, 39-10 and 10 in three seasons. You ain't getting fired. Here's Matt LaFleur willing to take the blame for what happened with the special teams. Matt, it looked like you guys had 10 guys on the field for that final field goal attempt. How does that happen in that moment? <laughs> yeah, um, that can't happen. It's unacceptable. It's, uh, uh, again, that's on me. Yeah, it's extremely disappointing. Um, 
especially when you look at the, what happened tonight. Um, again, these are things I, I got to do a better job, obviously, and, and be more involved um, to make sure that those types of things don't happen, that we're putting these guys in the right position, that we're coaching them the right way. Um, and I mean, ultimately it all falls on me. I appreciate him taking I do the too. public blame, right? To take but, but he's not yeah. getting fired. It's easy for him to do it. He's not getting fired. And privately, Maurice Drayton will hear about it if he even continues to be employed. I don't know how Drayton can come back from that after having only 10 guys on the field for the game. That's on him. Uh, Matt LaFleur is not counting heads on the field to make sure. And now how do you not have – where's your 11th guy? Right. Where's your 11th guy? Yeah. How does your 11th guy not know to be out there? It's not like you've got 25 different guys who potentially can be on the field to block a field goal. Somebody had their head up their butt, and the special teams coordinator didn't get him out there. No, that, that's totally on them. You're right. I mean, Matt LaFleur, he's saying the right things. He's taking it you know, on the chin, which, which is the way he should. There's no doubt. But, yeah, those are, those are things at this point of the year where you've entrusted your special teams coach to get things right. Oh, wait, 11 guys on the field? Like, come on. We've been through these type of things all year long, all the mechanics that go, go into that. You know, more times than not, Mike, there was probably an injury that now the backup guy on field goal block didn't realize he was in. And nobody told him that. That's usually what happens in those type of scenarios. But between that, you know, the block punt, that play right there, I mean, you know, those are huge. Again, this game, as much as I sit here and go, the 49ers won and they made the plays and all that, it was there to be had by Green Bay. It was there. They played tough on defense. They did a lot of good things. They made no major mistakes on the offensive side of the ball. It was a game that was there to be had to win 16 to 10 or something like that, 16 to 7 somewhere. But they dropped the ball in a huge phase of the football game that, you know, we don't talk about enough. We talk offense and defense, and that third phase came, came down to be a, a huge thing for the Packers in this one. It, it, we only talk about it when, when it's a disaster. It either goes really well yeah, yeah. or really poorly, and it was a little both on Saturday night when we return. Did we also see this weekend the last of Aaron Rodgers, either in the NFL at all or as a member of the Green Bay Packers? We'll ponder that when PFT Live continues right after this. I mean, I didn't think we'd be talking about this after this game, but, right. uh, you know, I'm going to take some time and, and – uh, have conversations with the folks around here and then take some time away and make a decision um, obviously before free agency or anything kind of gets going on that front but you know it's uh, it's fresh right now it's it's you know, a little shocking for sure you know so many guys contracts are, are up or on the brink or salary cap stuff so a lot of decisions to be made i don't want to be a part of a rebuild uh, if you know, if I'm gonna keep playing, so uh, a lot of decisions, you know, in the next couple months. Coming tomorrow at noon Eastern on the Pat McAfee Show, Aaron Rodgers will join the program to say he didn't say all the things that he said on Saturday night after 
the Packers lost to the 49ers. I it's clockwork. He oh why why do you yeah and, and look maybe at this point he'll just he'll just own it. It's been his his theme all year long. This could be his last year with the Green Bay Packers. He made it clear that he's going to think about it. He doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. And even though he's under contract through 2022, remember when he made his big move, his power play, his leverage exercise. He didn't get a contract that frees him after this season. His contract frees him after next season. So the Packers could still decide to be obstinate like they were last year and say we're not going to trade him. Although I'd like to think at this point if he truly genuinely wants out, they'll they'll find they'll a way to accommodate it. him. Yeah, this. I would yeah. think so too, right? I mean, why deal with it? Why do they want to go through that at this point? I mean, one more offseason, have to deal with all that conversation again. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure he's hurt. Of course, that was, you know, a, a blow to Aaron Rodgers' legacy once again. You know, I just again, he's going to be looked at as right, at home. Rodgers, <clears throat> number one seed, couldn't get it done. You know, and that's going to be part of the conversation with him always. As people are going to look at it this way, um, I, <clears throat> it's interesting, Mike. It really is. I mean, when you talk about, you know, what's ahead in the off season for Green Bay, you know, Rodgers. You know, I think if he does play, is he going to want commitment? Is he going to want more money? He certainly can ask for more of that as far as asking for a commitment beyond the 2022 season. You know, we know that was part of like the, the annoyance last year from him and his cam. And then what are the Packers going to do, yes, as a team? I mean, yeah, you get Devontae Adams, who's a free agent. You're going to have to pay him like a top two or three receiver in football. Uh, and, and I can imagine, yeah, if they have to make a lot of drastic moves to their roster to where Rodgers looks at it and goes, wait, this isn't going to be the same team. I do think that changes the dynamics of this situation a little bit to where I would go, wait, I think Rodgers is going to be back in Green Bay. Everything's still in a really good spot and set up the way you'd want is if you're a quarterback to think, hey, we're not far off to maybe getting where we want to get to in the Super Bowl. But again... With the salary cap, what are they, plus $30 million over the cap? And some of those situations, you look at it and go, how much of this team will actually be back? And how comfortable will he be if they lose five, ten players in free agency? I think it's certainly something to think about and evaluate here as the season ends. And I don't know how you reach a point of comfort and certainty before we see how things play out. Like, he could say, I'm happy to play if we keep this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And do we have a plan for that? Yes, we do. We're very confident. Okay, I'll keep playing. And then free agency comes. And they start to scatter and chase the money elsewhere. And the Packers say, well, we tried. Sorry, we tried. Didn't work. Only have one franchise tag to use. Sorry. Then what does he do? Does he change his mind later? I I think this is all pointing toward him spending the next few weeks assessing the question of whether or not the grass really can be greener. Right. Is it greener somewhere else? Maybe not. Can it be greener? It can be greener. He's projecting how green the grass is going to be at Lambeau versus how green it could be somewhere else. But, um, you know, you don't, you don't spend all that time posturing toward a move without finally doing it. At some point, you got to fire the gun. At some point, you got to just do it. And um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I think yeah. he's desperate yeah. to not be hated by Packers fans the way Brett <laughs> Favre was. But we've seen him care less about what people think of him. We've seen him care less about people hating him. He's very polarizing. And I think he's morphing away from the guy who doesn't want to be criticized ever 
to the guy who understands, ah, some people are going to criticize me. No I'll matter just call what. them stupid. Yeah, right. I'll just call them stupid, and I'll rally around the people who think I'm great. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I, there is a little bit more of an effort coming from him, I think, this year, where it's like he just, yes, all right, you don't like me, screw it. There's nothing I can do, and he just he's doubling down. Yes, I mean, with some of the things he did this year, you know, last year when he lost to the Brady and the Bucks, I feel like most of the football world was like, oh, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. I feel like this year, because some of the people didn't like his antics on the McAfee show and whatever else, people were like, ah. He got what he deserved. He's a jerk. There's a little bit. It's, he is. It's very polarizing. And I think the point, Mike, that you bring up with the grass is greenier on the other side and all of that type of stuff is just I'm, I'd said that deliberately. All right. That was not inten- okay. that was intentional. All right. um, Damn it. <laughs> but like I'll give you a get out of free jail card. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, but the, the, the thing I look at to, to a point you brought up was he's got to figure out is the grass greener somewhere else. And can, can I get better from another team? Or can Green Bay go a little bit all in here, a little bit? He's got to look again at these teams and go, come on. Well, what else do we need? Look at Joe Burrow. It's stars galore he's throwing to. Matt Stafford had stars galore, and they still gave him Odell Beckham Jr. You know, He's going, damn, can I just get a Van Jefferson on my team? I mean, literally. Rodgers is going, just can I have a Van Jefferson, let alone a Cooper Cup and an Odell Beckham Jr. and a Higby? There's issues. They need more players around him. That's where they have dropped the ball. And that's, to me, going to be the million-dollar question for Aaron Rodgers. Does he want to go somewhere, roll the dice, somewhere new, new system but they have more talent or does he want to stay home and comfy and appeal to the Green Bay fan base like you're talking about and force them to get another guy that doesn't make it just always about him and one other receiver and if they don't absolutely take over a game the game is 50-50 that's where it's not fair to Rodgers I know I'm a defender of them but that's just my honest opinion in evaluating their team and their situation I think it's fair for him at some point to look around and say, you know what, it's always something. It's always something, and it's never me. And he can say that truthfully. He can. I'm always showing up and getting it done. Yeah, exactly. But it's always something. It's either we don't have enough other players around me or our special teams special coordinator. Special team screws it up. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, just, it's always something. It's always something. I have to be on my A game every single night. I can't slip at all. If I slip at all, we're done. And even if I play my best game, we're not always going to get it done. It's it's a, an That's amazing where it's disconnect for the great quarterbacks between there, regular yeah. season right. and postseason. And you know, the dynamics change so dramatically in the postseason. Yes, they do. Some teams, some players, struggle for whatever reason to rise to that occasion, and we see it too consistently for the Packers. Yes, to not say something's wrong there, something that they failed to either identify or even recognize is wrong in that organization where they can't rise to the occasion when it's time to play win or go home football i a hundred percent mike that's that's kind of what i always talk about you know just it's it's a good team with a super bowl quarterback that we think is a super bowl team because of the quarterback but the team has not been great 
He misleads us at times because of his greatness. They are the ultimate regular season team. Yes, he can take over against the middle class, the lower class, do all of that, right? They can out-execute regular season football for the most part. But it gets to playoff football. Coaches get more desperate. They're willing to try more things on as far as the opposing team you're playing if you're Green Bay. Oh, let's do this. If we don't stop this, we're going home. So we got to take a chance this week and do that. And then let alone they play teams that have more studs there's more studs on the 49ers than the Packers so you know you just look at that and and go yes that's an issue with them that's why they're a regular season football team and that's why we've seen them get in the playoffs and flounder against teams again that there's no doubt that are better than them NFC championship game against the 49ers it's not close the 49ers are another class last year epic meltdown by Tom Brady in the third and fourth quarter there was still no doubt about who was the better team in the football field and who had more Jimmys than Joes and that's to me where Green Bay has dropped the ball for Rodgers throughout his career we need to take a break and we're gonna have plenty of chances to talk about this in the coming days and weeks I just want to take about 90 seconds if I can cool to delve into one question because this never would have been an issue in any other offseason if Aaron Rodgers is potentially available to another team. However, however, here's the question. Will there be some coaches, general managers, and owners out there who don't like the weekly appearances with Pat McAfee, who don't like the brashness, the effort attitude from Aaron Rodgers? And will that be part of the balance? Is that because I could see Parcells? Parcells would have said, I, 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 "No, no, no, Aaron, you don't need to be doing this Tuesday thing. No, this Tuesday thing isn't good for anybody. It's a distraction for the football team." I could see some old school mindsets out there no doubt, saying, hundred percent, that, that it's a distraction that we don't need, or at least we're going to factor it into, you know, Whether remaining football skills here right. and pain in the ass factor here, and maybe for some teams. It, 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 the balance goes toward, no, we got enough to worry about. I, I, I think that's something to think about, sure. I think there are going to be teams that are going to go, ah, Rodgers at this point of his career, all that comes with it. You know, they're, they're going to think about it, certainly. I mean, again, the, the, the perception is the reality to a degree here. Rodgers has that perception throughout the NFL. Some people think he's a pain in the butt. You know, there, there's definitely that. But the play is still at a high enough level to where I think people are going to look at it and go, well, he's a pain in the butt, sure. But, man, if he gets here with the team we got, and there's a few teams like that this year where they need a quarterback and you go, ooh, they're not that far off, that's where he can be extremely enticing for, for your football team going forward. Some teams can't rise to the level in the postseason. Some teams can. The Bengals can. The Bengals did. When we, we haven't forgot about you, folks in Cincinnati. We're, we, we're arguably saving the best for last as it relates to, uh, you know, upstart promising teams. The Bengals taking on the Titans. We'll talk about that next here on PFT Live. He's got he's got ice in his veins. There, there's not much to be said. You know he's he's uh, as cool as it gets. You've got confidence that he's going to nail it every single time he steps up there. Um, you know he definitely could have gone from longer out than what we kicked it from. We felt confidence, you know, to really around the beyond the 40 yard line there. Uh, so he just steps up. The moment's never too big for him. We're happy to have him. Oh, that guy's unbelievable. 
he said, so he was talking to Brandon as he was going out to kick. He gave a little warm-up swing, and he said, ah, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship right before he went out there to kick it. Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow both heaping praise on Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker that was drafted by the Bengals and has been incredible. Eight for eight on field goals in the postseason and delivered the game winner to propel the Bengals to the AFC Championship for the first time since 1988. They've been to two prior <laughs> Super Bowls. They've played the 49ers in both of them. And look who's there. Wouldn't that be they, something? Uh, Wouldn't amazing, that be right? something if I it's know. 49ers, Bengals again for Super Bowl 56? But, you know, hey, Joe Burrow still hasn't gotten the memo that they're not supposed to be this good this year. They're not supposed to be contending for a Super Bowl berth. They're not supposed to be beating the number one seeds on their own field. They weren't supposed to. Well, they yeah, we kind of thought they'd beat the Raiders, but I didn't think they'd win on Saturday. But, you know, th this is who they are. They just keep coming and uh, they, they, they keep taking. They're not going to sit around and ask permission for anything. They're just going to take it. And that's the attitude that Burrow has, and I think it's trickled down to everyone else on the team, Chris. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, they got they got playmakers across the board. That's the first thing. They got guys that can make plays at any given moment that you go, oh, no, this team had momentum, and now they don't because Jamar Chase just caught a screen pass and ran 60 yards down the sideline, and now momentum's back on our side. So they have that type, and they're, they have that kind of attitude where it's like, I don't know if it's just they're, are they young and that cool, or are they young and they don't even realize the magnitude of the situation situation they're in either way they don't seem to be phased by anything right now it's, it's it's amazing burrow he's got like what we've talked about with mahomes and allen it just doesn't no nothing phases him doesn't matter oh you're getting you're you're getting your head knocked off for the 25th time in the snowball game oh just get up and throw a strike next play no big deal it's it's unreal that way as far as how the bangles are made up you're right i, I they just continue to answer the bell i think between their playmaking ability and you know not making a crucial mistake for the most part and being the young team that's inexperienced and not supposed to be you know that way there and then of course the Ryan Tannehill mistakes were the difference in the football game I mean that's really when you boil it down to it it comes down to that I mean Ryan Tannehill played some stupid football and that put the Titans in some bad situations, and that's not what you want to do because it just opened the door just enough to crack it open for Joe Burrow and Chase and Mixon to make a handful of plays with their stars to win them the football game, and that was uh, an incredible victory by them on the road on Saturday. The play we're showing right now was the first play from scrimmage in the game. Uh, look, you got Derrick Henry back. I, I think sometimes teams outsmart themselves. Hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do play action on the first play of the game and throw a pass. I mean, if you're going to do that, throw a bomb. Don't, don't play this game where you're going to throw a 15-20 you know, yard route or use Derrick Henry. But three interceptions and all. And look, great play there by Mike, Mike Hilton. Hilton. Yeah, it was great. You know, right. and, sure. and the one here that decides the game. Why are you forcing up in it? The air. It's third and five. Right. You know, just there's no point to force it. So what? If you got a punt, you punt and you go into overtime and put the Bengals way down in their own territory. But this is just not the time to go, wait, I'm Brett Favre and I'm going to throw a laser in there. That's where Ryan Tannehill just, he did things that we don't really see him do a whole lot since he's been the quarterback of the Titans. The first interception like you're talking about, you know, he just stares at the receiver, stares at Julio Jones. You know, Jesse Bates is just sitting in the middle of the field and he just goes, well, I'll just follow his eyes. I only see two receivers out and he just brought him right to the football. 
You know, so Tannehill was really uh, a, a huge factor in this football game with the fact that he was just over-aggressive and didn't do a good job evaluating the game as a whole. And it started with this play right there. You know, yeah, in the perfect world diagram it, that play should be open. He, that's where he's thinking, wait, if they play it the way they're supposed to play it, that should be open. But guess what? Jesse Bates is a football player. And yeah, coach said to drop back into your third, but he said, wait, I've seen this play on film. And he reads the eyes and does that. So uh, just disappointing effort by him. And here's the other thing too, Mike, that I think jumped out to me a little bit. You know, I know Derrick Henry's the man and a first ballot Hall of Famer. But just because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer and the man and, and – it doesn't mean you just ride him to death in his first game back as the running back. To me, that was another spot where I'll look at Vrabel and the Titans and go, no, you dropped the ball. I know he's Derrick Henry, but to think that he was going to be all systems go, you know, hitting on all cylinders, Derrick Henry, the same guy we saw before the injury, that was ridiculous. That, to me, is where they, they asked too much of him. You could tell there was a he was not in football shape. There was a lack of explosion from Derrick Henry. Whether it was this run or the other fourth and one stop that he had early, later in the game, there was plays here where you just go, that doesn't look at Der Derrick Henry. And then what confirmed it is when you saw Derrick Foreman get the ball, you went, oh man, does he have three rockets up his ass right here? I mean, he was in a different gear because he's been playing football and been in shape that way. So that was one thing I thought that I didn't like about the Titans approach either. either. Rode Derrick Henry too hard. Do you agree with that, Mike, or not? Well, yeah, I mean, I hate to say it because we thought he'd come back, he'd be as good as ever, but you're right, with that much time off, even though he's fresh and he's not as beaten up, it takes you a little while to get back to where you need to be. Yes. Maybe in high... Uh, and they, they, got, they got the bye week. Maybe it would have been better for them to not get the bye week. And play back to that and get him in again, shape. And right? play and get him in shape and yeah. get him ready for the next round. Right. Deontay Foreman had four carries for 66 yards. Derrick Henry had 20 for 62. I, it says it uh, all. Says that's it all. amazing. Yes, it says it all. And again, I understand you, Derrick Henry's your guy and you want to make it work. But I thought there was a few runs where I went, there's a little meat left on that bone. And Derrick Henry, for the fact, because he hasn't played in eight or ten weeks, you know, he just couldn't take advantage of all of it. And that was there to be had. I mean, you hear, again, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm no, I'm not sitting here and trying to say I'm like the greatest GM or player evaluator ever, but that looks like a different gear lining, running through the line of scrimmage foreman compared to Derrick Henry. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that fact, even as fans, guys that are, I'm ex-player, you know, we think, hey, he's a superstar. He'll come back and he'll be awesome. No, you, know, you got to get in shape and get used to playing football again. And I think we saw that from Henry. And here's the challenge for any coaching staff to have people up in the booth, not at field level, people who are up in that booth, and they're up in that booth for a reason. They're seeing it all in that fashion. And you need to have somebody who's empowered to get in someone's ear and say, hey, Foreman's the Foreman's, Foreman's the, the guy. He's got juice Foreman's so you can guy. see it. Yeah, Foreman's the right. guy. Right. For, we got to ride Foreman. You got to do that. You got you to have people who are willing to say it, people who have the ability to say it, people who feel like they can say it and will be listened to because that's what needed to be done. That's a great point. One last thing before we break. We showed you the two-point conversion that was failed. Folks, it wouldn't have made the game 17-16 at the very end. We, we, need, we need to accept the fact that things that happen in the first half of a game change the complexion going forward. And if they had taken the one after the penalty on the Bengals and moved it from the two to the one, and they got cute and they went for two, if they had just gone for one and it had been seven to six, it wouldn't have been 17-16 at the very end of the game. And they would have been killing the clock for the win. No, everything changes based on whether it's a tie 
whether someone's ahead, whether someone's behind, it changes everything, Chris. It you got to go back to that moment and replay the entire game. No, no, exactly right. I mean, exactly for the same reason everybody goes. We got to go for two now because we know what we need to get as the game goes forward. Uh, it's the same thing. Yes, you know, yeah. Uh, the Bengals would have gone for two to go up by seven. Uh, at some point, something would have changed. There's too many things. Yes, you can't look at it that way and think the outcome would have just gone status quo from that point on. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. Get his mouth washed out with soap, baby. <laughs> F the Packers is what Jimmy G had to say. Cross him off the list of potential quarterbacks for Green Bay in 2022. Not that Packers fans should want him anyway, but that's emotion. That's passion. Those are great moments. Come on. I mean, that was playoff football its finest. I mean, snow, Lambeau Field, freezing temperatures. I mean, if that's not gladiator and what football is made to be right there, I mean, I don't know what is. All four games were amazing. It just it was, it was an unreal weekend. And, this, of course, the way that game looked on TV was just great to watch. Tough act to follow for the NFL, but the NFL will try to do so this weekend with the 49ers and the Rams getting together for round three and the Bengals and the Chiefs to determine the teams that will be playing in the Super Bowl in just two weeks and six days. We'll see you later this afternoon for PFTPM. Have a great Monday. See ya.